folding pocket. The Fast and the Curious is part of the Acast Creators Network. Subscribe now so you never miss an episode. Thank you. Hello, welcome back to The Fast and the Curious and the final race debrief of 2023. I never thought it would come. It's Abu Dhabi done with me, Betty Glover. I always start this podcast with, hello, I am... Formula One enthusiast Christian Hugill. And that's true. Like, I still... Massive geek. Massive geek. F1 enthusiast. F1, like, I always big up my excitement for it. And this is true. I still love F1. We've got to the end of our first season and I still like it, right? I love it. But... Well, that's good. Yeah, no, it's good. It's good. It's good. But it's not put me off my life's great passion. That would be a bad thing for the podcast, wouldn't it? But I'll be honest... I'm not sure I needed this weekend, Abu Dhabi. Mm. Vegas was so spectacular. I think in my mind that was job done and I felt tired this weekend and I've been to three races. Could you imagine the people who have done 23? <laughs> Someone from the Williams team. Um, oh, let's just say hello to Bex. Bex from Williams. Everybody loves Bex in Formula 1. Bex messages to say, we're very tired. And Bex, by the way, is a bundle of energy and joy and enthusiasm. And it's, Bex is pretty hardcore as well. Do you know what I mean, Betty? Like, Bex is not going to get broken easily by the word. And for Bex to be like, we're quite tired now. You could, I could see from Lando and Oscar in the interviews as well with those, it's like, everyone's... And, and Esteban was ill and George wasn't feeling great. It's like the end of Freshers' Week, isn't it? Everyone's just broken. Yeah, but it's Freshers' Week that has gone on for half the bloody year. The half the year? Well, over. Since March. Even the most ardent of F1 fans sort of got through this weekend and was like, I, I could, I'm happy for a break from Formula One races for a little bit now. And by the way, that'll last about two weeks. Yeah. Genuinely, <laughs> like my enthusiasm, like come second week of December, like it's been ages. Why isn't there an F1 race? But I, I enjoyed the Abu Dhabi race. It wasn't bad. It wasn't a classic. It was a 50-50 race. But I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm ready for a little break from Formula One races now. I think that's. Uh, can I? Is that fine? Can I have that? Yeah, you're excused. You're allowed. You're allowed to have your feelings, Christian. We're going to get into all of the talking points from the race. Take a look at how it left the final standings. Chat about what happens next. Go through some of your end of season thoughts, feelings, and also questions. And of course, give you another reminder of how you can be at our end of season party next week, Christian. It's next week. It's next week. But before that, shall we get into this week's podcast? So it's very tempting to just skip over Max Verstappen because I am quite bored of talking about him winning. Yeah, but we fair. can't really skip over it, can we? Because <laughs> we have witnessed history, as we've spoken about so many times on this podcast. It was the most dominant season in Formula One history for Max and Red Bull. Can you even believe what they've achieved? No, I can't. The best stats to look at this is Michael Schumacher, seven-time world champion. He is still, to this day, when people think of great people in Formula One, you think of the great Michael Schumacher, Mm. you think of the great Lewis Hamilton. Hamilton on 103 wins, Michael on 91. Max is already on 54, and 19 of those were this season alone. You don't win 19 races in a single season. Like, it's just, you can see that Michael in his whole career 
were 91. It just doesn't happen. It's insane. Yeah, most consecutive race wins as well, 10. Most podium finishes, 21. And the highest points total of 575. We have to give praise on one hand for Red Bull building one of the best Formula One cars ever seen. And also, and, and I still think this gets dumbed down a little bit, particularly in some parts of the British media. We've seen from Max Verstappen one of the greatest single-season performances in Formula One history. His consistency, the lack of mistakes, the, the sheer number of different race conditions he managed to win in, like nothing ever tripped him up, whether it was tricky conditions on circuits, whether it was different strategies. I would expect what we've witnessed is once in a generation. I, I, I don't think we'll ever see a season this dominant again. If you look at F1 history, it suggests that won't be the case again for decades. Are you sure it's not going to happen next season as well? Because Lewis Hamilton said that it's definitely a concern for Red Bull to win by 17 seconds in the end, and they haven't even developed their car since August, that Lewis Hamilton was saying that he's concerned about next season as well. Are we going to... Are you confident that we're not going to have this season again? No. Good. I'm not confident. Yeah, sorry. Oh, I'll tell you what I would you're say. You're not confident. Look, I, mm. No, I'm not confident. No, no. no. <laughs> I'm not going to sit here and say to you that next year will be super close. But Formula One changed its rules in 2022. And historically, when F1 changes its rules, one team does a better job. The last rules, big rule change, it was Mercedes. And then as the seasons went on, it got closer. So what you see is people realising the way to go. But Lewis is exactly right. It's a big gap to close. So I'd be unbelievably surprised if Max didn't win the first race of the season in Bahrain. But it's such a long season. I'd also be quite surprised if it was this dominant again. So I don't think next year will be as dominant. We know that Red Bull, because they've said it across this season, that they've already started working on their car for next season. So how have they been doing that? Well, it's simply because they realised so early on that they had such a big advantage that they were able to start concentrating on development for next year's car. You just put, you know, you only have a certain amount of resources and you might say if you're battling for a position in this season's championship, well, we'll put 50% of development into this year with the resource power we've got and 50% into next year. We've explained on the podcast before that one of the more recent developments in Formula One is the sliding scale of aerodynamic research that's available. So Haas came last in this year's championship with 12 points. Haas will therefore get the most amount of wind tunnel time to make aerodynamic developments over the course of the winter. Red Bull finished first, so they will get the least. The only thing I'd say on all of this is, is anyone who turns around and says, Red Bull will be this dominant again this season, they don't know that. It's just impossible to say at this early stage. What can we expect from Mercedes, for example? Because they failed to win a Grand Prix for the first time in more than 10 years. Like, it's been catastrophic really even you think about it well but, but that again because they knew they were nowhere near they'll have also put a lot of effort into next year's cars already i have heard cynics say in the paddock say oh well red bull will be dominant again next season but i've also heard people say that mercedes are quietly confident Ooh. and i have heard quiet confidence from mercedes people saying i think we're on the right track now because of those big jumps forward that teams like Aston Martin and McLaren have made, that's what shows you that it is possible 
that a Ferrari, a Mercedes, a Aston or a McLaren are going to make a big jump over the winter. It is possible. Sorry, just looping back. Are you saying that you've heard that maybe Mercedes might be up there next season, Christian? I'm saying there's whispers that Mercedes are confident they're now heading in the right direction. Well, I am going to take that as... I should be excited for next season. And Lewis Hamilton is going to be back up there. You take it however you like. Um, I don't want to rain on your parade of enthusiasm. Mm, so what do they do with this car? Mercedes just going to burn it and put it in trash then? Because it, it was... Yeah, Mercedes will set fire to it and ceremoniously dance around it like um, sort of like a witch's coven chant, I think. <laughs> it'll, it'll live in a museum. And I think when Mercedes fans walk past it, it won't be a case of, wasn't that car great? It'll be, yeah... We didn't get that one right, did we? It's been amazing, but there was one thing about this whole Red Bull situation that has made me quite sad, actually, and other people sad, because I've seen it all over Twitter. Not a single woman represented the team on the podium this season. Not a single woman. When you think about how many chances Red Bull had to put a woman up there, and they didn't. I think that is such a shame, Christian. And I know that Hannah Schmitz, who's a Red Bull engineer, has in previous seasons been taken up onto the podium. But this season, not a single woman. How can you inspire the next generation if women and girls can't see women up there working in this sport? I think that's so, so bad. Fully agree. Because as you've said with Hannah, there are women in key positions in Formula One. We still want to inspire more And the key to that inspiration is people seeing, you know, I've spoken about it because I can talk from a personal perspective of seeing gay people in sports. And I'm really keen to say, look, I'm a sports journalist. I'm also gay because I didn't believe it'd be possible. And that's why representation matters to me. Red Bull were up there every race bar one. Come on, guys, do better and and think about it. I, I completely agree with you. Given there's such a big push as well to get more women in the sport, more representation, it's just weird. Like, why has this happened? I just do not understand. It would have been a nice touch. Just have at least one or two up there, please, Red Bull, for God's sake. I think it's so poor. I've praised Formula One for positive steps it's taken with diversity. And I've said this before, in terms of my involvement with football and my involvement with Formula One, I see more, I see F1 taking more positive steps to be inclusive than I do when I cover football and from, you know, from the, from the big football organisations. I'm very keen to praise F1, but this is where, and I'm not just talking about the sports because the sport can't control that goes up on the podium. I'm talking about F1 as a community. Yeah. Do better, everyone, please, because uh, it's really important. And there's lots of females that work in these teams in loads and loads of different roles because we've seen them. Yeah, exactly. So I just don't understand why that hasn't happened. Um, so, yeah. Do better next time. Next season, Red Bull, when you win every single race. I'm expecting to see some females up there. Let's quickly look at how the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix affected the rest of the grid. Because in our last episode, we were saying that there's a lot to tie up in terms of drivers and constructors' standings. Mercedes finished on 409 three points ahead of Ferrari. It came right down to the last couple of laps, didn't it? We all saw how Charles Leclerc was trying to get tactical and let Checo through at the end of the race. Stephanie was one of the people that got in touch and has asked you to explain what happened. So Christian, what was going on there? Yeah, so, th- you know, that battle 
for second and third in the Constructors' Championships, as we said on our preview podcast, is really, really key. At the end of the race, as you just mentioned there, Betty, Charles was thinking about those final standings. So Checo had a five-second penalty, which Leclerc knew would be added to his time at the end of the race. So basically what Charles was doing is deliberately letting him through into second in the race, knowing that he'd have this five-second penalty, with a plan to try and hold off George Russell's Mercedes in fourth by by enough of a gap, more than five seconds, so that when that penalty was applied to Checo's time, it'd mean he'd finish behind Charles in third, (laughs) but ahead of George, so that Ferrari would get more points than Mercedes and beat them into second. Tactical. Yeah, it was tactical point scoring. It was a bit too little too late. But it didn't work. No. So so Mercedes finished on 409 and Ferrari finished on 406. And can I also, can I also, you know, go back to what we were talking about in the last bit about the stat about it being closer. Yeah. The field is really close. And even then when you, uh, towards the end of the season, the Alpines and the Williams, they weren't, you know, that far behind. So I do think... We're in for some classic Formula One racing in a year or two's time when the field inevitably gets closer to Red Bull. Imagine Max wasn't there. We'd have had a classic season. God, I just wish he wasn't. (laughs) Just wish Max wasn't there. I mean, love him. Amazing, amazing sportsman. Um, Incredible driver. Historically good. One of the best. But bloody hell, I wish he wasn't there. (laughs) Sit out next year, Max. Have a year yeah. off. Let us let us take it. Maybe maybe he'll retire now because he's like, well, I've done it. Like they're not keeping up with me, are they? So do you know what? I'm just going to put my feet up and go and sit on the Bahamas beach. Yeah, I see what you mean. I, you know, we, we we as sports fans, we have to praise Max for being sensational. But my goodness me, it would have been a classic title battle. How many different winners would we have had? You look at the different people that oh. came second. We'd have had so many different winners. Um, you know, Oscar Piastri would have won a race. Lando Norris would have won several races. Fernando Alonso would have won several races. For the first thing, the last time Fernando won a Formula One race was 1963. So, you know, I, it would have been classic. Is there anyone else that you sort of want to wrap up? Because like you've you kind of, you mentioned obviously McLaren, huge result for them holding on. Williams as well getting seventh. That will be a big boost for them, right? It's a massive boost in terms of prize money. They were last last season with eight points. And then Alpha Tauri, who were ninth last season, had 35. So it was a big old gap as well. They had 28 points this season, a massive step forward for Williams. And that is because of some sensational driving from Alex Albon. He's had the best season of his F1 career by a mile. And I tell you what, another thing next season is we're going to get pretty much the same grid. You know, everyone's staying in their seats next year. The only seat that's open is, is with a question mark on it, is the second seat at Williams. And then we also have to, you know, give credit to, we've said it before, Oscar Piastri, the best rookie year for me since Lewis Hamilton. What an exciting future he's got. Uh, and I tell you who I would like to give a little shout out to as well is Yuki Tsunoda because... I thought you were going to say you then. I was like, oh, thanks. I have had a stellar season, if I do say so myself. You've been very good, um, but you've not quite been as good as Yuki Tsunoda, who uh, I think really stepped up at the back end of the season and the pressure from Daniel Ricciardo. Daniel came in and, and lifted the team, but an eighth in Abu Dhabi showed that Yuki had a good end to the season as well. Can I ask about Logan Sargent's seat at Williams? When is that going to be confirmed? Do they have to have it done by a certain point? No, you can announce who gets your... I mean, normally, you know, it is pretty unusual, actually, in modern Formula One for us to go into the winter with a seat 
unconfirmed. I've said before, it, it feels to me like they're edging giving Logan that seat to mm. next year. I don't know that. That's just the way it feels. And also, again, paddock rumours. Certainly when I was last in the paddock in the US, that was the feeling that Logan was going to get that seat again. And he has definitely, from that US Grand Prix, taken a step forward, I think, in the last bit of the season, that last sort of four or five races of the season. It's just whether it's enough. Um, and a big part of whether it's enough will be Williams looking around at alternative options as well. Like who? Like who? Well, really, the, the top two of Formula 2, really. Frederick Vesti finished second. He had a very impressive year. Um, and Thierry Pocher won the championship. You know, they'd be the obvious two for me. I hope he finds out soon because that could be quite like a stressful winter break for him do you know what I mean imagine sitting on a beach full of anxiety not knowing what you're doing next season I'd be surprised if we didn't know that before Christmas I really really would because as I say it's it's rare in modern F1 that we go this far talking of the winter break a lot of people like Nat Nell Ellie some of our listeners have all said the same thing as Hannah who has messaged in saying I've been following Formula One since the summer break this season what happens now, Christian? What does everyone do? Do they go into hiding like squirrels do or something in the winter? No, there's a lot of people in the Formula One world who are uh, certainly not squirreling yet. In fact, they are sat on the beach in Abu Dhabi for a day or two. But from November the 28th, uh, there is a post-season test for F1 teams to get the chance to learn the last little bit of detail about their cars and where they want to take development over the winter. So that happens in Abu Dhabi. Then there is a shutdown, which we talked about if you were following our podcast in the summer, there's two sort of shutdowns a year where for a certain period of time, Formula One goes, you cannot work on your cars. Factory shutdown, you're sort of forced to have a break. But actually, Development on next year's car has already happened. That gets ramped up over the winter. And then pre-season testing starts in the middle of February. As soon as you've come back from Christmas, it's like, wow, we're off to Bahrain in a matter of weeks' time. And before that, you've got car launches. Like, Formula One barely goes anywhere. We're talking a matter of weeks. So there'll be post-season tests, a little bit of a break. And then we're right back to building up to next year. Yeah, so Lewis Hamilton doesn't have long to go running with penguins again, does he really? He's got to fit it in in like a couple of weeks. How's he going to cope? Oh, I'm looking forward to this. I'm looking forward to mad things drivers do in the winter. Yeah. They just drive other things as a break. Yeah, they, can't, they might not drive F1 cars, so they'll drive rally cars, ice driving cars, electric scooters, shopping trolleys, you know, anything they can physically get their hands on, they will drive. <laughs> shopping trolley. <laughs> there will be a little bit of it, even when they, I mean, they don't do their own shopping, do they? I bet they don't. I bet, I bet Yuki does. No, I don't think Yuki, I don't think Yuki does his own shopping. I think he's too, I, I think he's too chaotic from what I hear. Mm, yeah, true, maybe. Which which one probably still, George might do his own shopping. George might. No, 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 no. No, George George gets an Ocado delivery. I think he might like a walk round Waitrose with his chinos and his curtains. I can see him strolling through the sort of posh wine section in Waitrose. Waitrose finest. <laughs> Who else might do their own shopping? Um, Daniel Ricardo. No way. He's too big time. He's too famous. I tell you, definitely does his own shopping. Who? Kevin Magnuson. Kevin's a dad. I reckon Kevin's spending the winter building a shed. 
I think he's in wicks over the winter. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. He's gonna he's gonna build a treehouse, and then he puts puts the kid. How many kids does he have? I'm googling Kevin Magnuson child. Um. To- anyway, he puts his child in the supermarket trolley and pushes them around. That's his Sunday afternoon. He loves it. He lives for it. Does Kevin? Kevin has two children, Laura and Agnes, and Agnes <laughs> is adorable. I'm not saying Laura isn't. I just haven't got a picture of Laura in front of me. Yeah. So that's what that's what we Kevin Magnuson's doing. He's being proper dad mode in the winter. I think. <laughs> yeah, proper dad mode um what we're gonna do we're gonna carry on aren't we we're still gonna be here aren't we christian we are still going to do lots of fast and curious episodes where we'll dive into high quality content like that so that's something to look forward to (laughs) we've got a few special episodes in the can as well which we're not going to reveal the details on yet but we're actually going to do some really fun interesting stuff over the winter so uh yeah some special episodes but we've also got betty glover the end of season party Woo! If you've missed it, where on earth have you been? Because we've been plastering this everywhere. 8th of December, Mercedes-Benz World. Who's who's Mercedes? Is she does Mercedes work for Mercedes? <laughs> Hello, I'm Mercedes. I work for Mercedes. Lovely to meet you. So Betty, what else is happening uh, with Sadie at Mercedes-Benz World? Um <laughs> <laughs> we've lost it we've lost it do you want me to do this bit are you gonna be okay i've had a long i've had a long few days you have mercedes benz world well it done. is a mouthful though they don't make it easy for you do we but anyway 8th of december not, it's not a mouthful it's not a mouthful carry on 8th of december yeah we've got sam Ryder, karoon chantok chloe grant and a few others that we're we're not going to tell you about yet we can't make any promises but they're they're coming back from Abu Dhabi as we speak. You've still got a few days left to be in with a chance of getting your hands on a pair of tickets. I mean, we say that podcasts are a listen when you want medium. So, you know, if you're catching up with us in February, then you've missed it. And I can only apologise for that. <laughs> but you've got until November the 30th, 2023. If you're listening, you know, if you're watching on catch up, please don't vote because your vote may still be charged, but won't be counted. All of that. November the 30th, 2023. If you're listening after that date, you're wasting your time. But... All you need to do if you want to go is email your name and who you'd like to bring with you to fastandcurious at acast.com and you have to have in the subject line Fast and Curious Live 2023. To make it fair, the names are going to be selected completely randomly and it says this in bold in the script so you can tell producer Jimmy really means it. If you don't put Fast and Curious Live 2023 in the subject line, the system we're using to pick the names out won't spot your message. You're wasting everyone's time, not least your own. So if you want to come, Fast and Curious Live 2023 in the subject line. Yeah, and remember that it's completely free to get in, but please keep in mind that you'll have to make your own way to and from Mercedes-Benz. Is Sadie coming? Do we know? <laughs> have we checked? Is she is she going to be the guest? Oh, for God's sake. Mercedes-Benz mm. World in Surrey <laughs> on the night, and we'll be starting at 630 on the dot just make sure you can make it before you sign up and we'll keep that email open until 30th of november and then we're going to pick the names at random like christian said so just get in touch if you want to come you know at the very start of the podcast i said i'm sort of ready for the end of the season it feels like you're quite ready for the end of the podcast it feels like the wheels have really (laughs) are coming off a bit now in terms of your ability to use words are you okay yeah i'm all right i'm getting there (laughs) yeah i need a break Christian okay I need a holiday so if 
Lewis Hamilton wants to take me running with some penguins, I will be there because I need I need the mental <laughs> The break. end of this podcast has reflected the end of the F1 team. We're all just sort of clinging on for dear life. Um, and one more thing about the uh, live show. You can bring under-18s with you, but you must be accompanied by an adult. And that will be the next time you hear from us, our live show, which if you can't make... It'll be on this feed. Right, I think we really need to go because the low stands of this podcast feel lower than usual at this point. So um, we'll see you or speak to you for our live show. Betty, go for a lie down with Mercedes, won't you? <laughs> How would you describe the, the state of this podcast? <laughs> have you done? <have> you done? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs>